Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am the New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing with you not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. We can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about human trafficking, specifically looking at the types of trafficking. In last week's episode, we touched on bonded labor, domestic servitude. Other types of trafficking also include the pornography industry. Now, there are some women who have been sexually exploited and what has happened They have been duped, deceived, sometimes forced or coerced to send nude or semi-nude photographs. Now, sometimes this is done because that woman or girl believes that by sending these photographs, she will get the opportunity to be a model. Somebody approaches her in a mall and says that they're a scout, they're an agent, and then asks them for photographs. In fact, I know of such an instance of some women and girls in the Philippines who were asked by an American to send semi-nude photographs because he was planning to use them, their imagery, in professional modeling. These girls sent photographs. However, what this individual did is take their heads and place it on the bodies of nude women in sexually provocative poses. Unfortunately, these girls did not tell anybody what was going on. They were then blackmailed to send nude photographs. Now, one of the challenges that I had when I read this article was that these girls and women, they knew it was not their body. And for example, let's pretend that they had maybe a scar on their left or a birthmark or something. Because of the way that our bodies are made, our bodies are different. If you're an identical twin, aside from fingerprints, your bodies may, at a certain age, continue to look identical. But often with the way that they may eat, their sporting activities, their bodies will develop differently. Now let's imagine, for example, somebody has taken your photograph and cut off your head and placed it on a naked body. Now, if you can say to a friend or a family member, mom, auntie, uncle, that isn't me. You know, I have a scar under my collarbone. The point I'm trying to make is 
I believe that even though their heads have been removed onto these bodies, I believe that the, the coloring of the skin or the shape of the body, the structure, would have been different from that Filipino. Let's imagine the head was placed on top of a very voluptuous woman who's had breast implants. Unless the Filipino has the same body structure, when they show that photo to somebody, the person would know instantly that isn't them. However, I can say I understand completely how humiliating and embarrassing that would be, even though it isn't you. In fact, quite recently, I was speaking to a client and I said to her, I know that it hurts when somebody lies about you. Even though you know it's not true, it hurts. I recall times when I would share with my mother some of the false allegations made against me. And she would make the comment, well, you know it's not true, so that's the main thing. And I didn't appreciate that kind of comment saying to me, you know it's not true. I felt she disbelieved me. When people speak, they often don't consider how what they say may come across. You know that's not true. So do you think I'm lying? Because you shouldn't say that instead. Well, we know that's not true. I understand that it hurts that someone has said that about it, but we both know that is not your character. Let's pretend somebody said Juanita got drunk Monday the 6th of January and she was falling outside a nightclub. Now, anybody who truly knows me and knows my personality and my character, without a shadow of a doubt, they would know that was not Juanita. Number one, I do not drink alcohol. The last time I consensually drank alcohol was when I was 15 years old. From the time I got baptized by full immersion at 16, I stopped drinking alcohol completely. And because I come from a Caribbean background, culturally, when we drink, we drink at a wedding, respectively, a glass of wine, a glass of champagne, celebrating on New Year's, during meals. And when I say respectably, we are not drinking for the purpose of getting drunk. We are not drinking for the purpose to loosen up, to sleep with casual men or women. That is not how or why we drink. In my culture in the UK, I can say that there are individuals who do engage in intoxication so that they can loosen up and have a good time. That is not how we drink. So if a person made an allegation I was drunk and falling outside a nightclub, anyone who knows me knows that simply isn't true. I don't go to nightclubs. The Bible says, by their fruits you will know them, by a person's actions. Now I cannot speak for these young girls or women. Maybe some of these young girls and women have prostituted themselves have been sexting with friends, have engaged sexually with boys or men. I can't speak for that. If they had, for example, engaged sexually with boys, men, or prostituted themselves, or engaged promiscuously, engaged in fornication, then I could understand it would be difficult for them to come and say to somebody close to them, this isn't me, because it would be disbelieved. On the flip side, if they're very virtuous, they're a virgin, have never engaged in sexual activity whatsoever and present themselves as virtuous and are virtuous, then realistically speaking, if they showed it to somebody, they would have no doubt this is not you. Of course, I can only speak from the outside perspective. If it was me personally and there were naked photographs going around, would I feel comfortable showing those photographs to people? 
Well, no, because number one, those photographs are of a naked female, so I would not feel comfortable. Provided the naked female is not a child, then no crime has been committed. It is not child pornography. That's what I mean by no crime. However, if those pictures have been taken without the person's consent, then that could be revenge pornography, which would be a crime. But I'm assuming the person consented to send in these photographs. I'm assuming they're an adult. No crime committed. My head is on their body. I would not feel comfortable sharing those photographs because I cannot say whether or not those photos were taken consensually. Second to that, who would I show those photos to, and for what purpose? If I was upset by it, heartbroken, I would want somebody to know what is being sent around. However, what I will say is, I would have to use great wisdom as to who I show that with, because if I show that to my mother, she would say, "Well, you know, it's not true." That isn't helpful for me. That's not supportive. Supportive is when you say, "I'm sorry, this has happened. I know that is not your photograph." I know you wouldn't do that. It's to have somebody who stands beside you. Now, when a person, a child, a teenager, a young woman, an old woman, when that person is blackmailed into sending naked photographs to a person because they have taken their photograph and put their head on top of someone else's body, when a person starts to send naked photographs, we have no place to judge that individual. You do not know what it's like to be in their shoes. Blackmail is something many of us have only read about or heard about. We've never experienced it. It is humiliating, embarrassing, degrading. If you come from an environment or a family background where you do not have supportive people around you, you can't tell your mum, your dad, your uncle, your aunt there are naked photographs going around that are not of me, but it has my head on it. We have young teenagers being blackmailed to send naked photographs because a person has taken their head and placed it on another body. I even know of a very famous case in the UK of two men. One, I believe, was in Australia. The other one was in the UK. They would create and produce hurt core instead of hardcore pornography, hurt core porn. And one of these individuals would get these young girls to send him degrading photographs. I will not go into specifics of what they had to do, but he would tell these girls, "I want you to take a photograph in this position with a signage." And when he got them to hold up a signage, it was so he could let people know, "These are my pictures." It was a calling card. For example, one of these girls may have been in a degrading position and picture. In a restroom stall, in a toilet stall, holding up a signage saying "Gays are bad," for example, and so he would say to the group he was in on the dark web, he would say, "I'm going to send you photographs of a girl who I have told to make a signage saying 'Gays are bad,' for example, and then he will then upload the imagery because he wants people to know." These are my pornography. These are my creation. I created this pornography. He made these teenagers do some very sick, disturbing things. How did he even get that to come about? He built a trusting relationship with these girls. So, with one of these girls, he actually said to her, "I am a thirteen-year-old girl. I like to do artwork, 
And so he pretended to be a female. He did not use the romantic avenue that sometimes pedophiles use. He went down there. I'm a 13-year-old girl. I like to do artwork. Can you send me pictures of yourself? Even a girl recently started messaging me on WhatsApp, and she said, "There's a girl in America who is being sexually abused, and I want to help her, but I don't know how." And then I said to this girl, "Where is she? Find out where she is." And she came back to me and said, "She is in," and she named the state in the U.S. Now the first thing I'll say is, this girl who's talking to me does not know. If the individual she is communicating with is indeed who she says she is, for all we know, this could be a pedophile who says, "I'm a 12-year-old girl. I'm being sexually abused by my dad. I want to run away from home. Can you help me?" Because pimps, traffickers, and abusers are very smart, and they may create a whole situation, a scenario that is believable. They could even try and do it to me, Juanita. I'm a victim of sexual abuse. I live in the UK. Can you help me? Can you meet me? I want to run away from home. I'm in danger. Can you meet me? Now, number one, I would not meet them. And if I said I would meet them, I would instead call the police and tell them. I wouldn't call the emergency number. I would tell the police that this person has said they're being abused. I've arranged a meeting with them at this place at this time, and the police will turn up. Even for myself, I have to be, as the Bible says, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who we are—male, female, young or old—people may entice us and deceive us. Even for myself, I recently made a video sharing with my host some of the things that I have been through. It was a Christian interview. And I was completely uninhibited. I shared a lot of things I had never spoken about before. I felt this is the right platform, and I felt now is the time. The Bible says you have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I was convinced, and I believed that the message that I had, I need to share this message because there are people who will be empowered by my story. My testimonies are tests that I have been through, and I've come out stronger the other side. Now, a person reached out to me following this interview, and on their message, they had sent me about three or four messages through social media. How it is irrelevant, but social media. And they said hi, and they told me their story. Now, I'm not going to repeat the story word for word to protect their identity, but they told me their story, and I was very confused. It said, "Hi, my name is X." Then they started to share. Let me give you an example. For example. I was asleep, and then I woke up because I heard the alarm. And when the alarm went off, it was the fire alarm, and the fire brigade came. Hi, my name is X. I was asleep. In other words, the way they had written the message, it was clearly a copy and paste job. I don't know how they wrote it because when I write, unless I am copy and text, I don't have copy and paste job. I write or I copy. What I mean by copy and paste job. It's as though they were copying from somewhere else, because even if I was to WhatsApp you right now, there would be no legitimate reason for it to say, "Hi, my name is Juanita. I went to the grocery store and bought vegan food." Hi, my name is Juanita. There is no legitimate reason for those messages to be inside each other, unless I am copying and pasting those texts 
into the same one message. Then he started to say some other things, and I was just scratching my head. I was very confused, and so I responded back and I said, "Hi, I'm not too sure what you're saying here, because your message is being copied and pasted." I didn't put it like that, but I said, "I'm, I'm kind of confused." And they wrote back and said, "You said if we have a story, we should tell you our story." Now I think this guy got confused. I speak on the topics of human trafficking and child sexual abuse. When I'm opening the door for people to share their stories, it's their stories of empowerment, of education, of inspirement. It is not stories of doom and gloom. I don't want to make people cry. I don't want to make people feel frightened or terrified or fearful. I want people to hear your stories and to be empowered. Yes, there may be negativity. But I believe the past does not dictate the future. So even though your story may start negatively, when I come to share your story, I want it to end on a positive. So I was very confused because I'm not asking people to send me random stories that don't make sense. I'm a busy person. I have a full-time job. I'm doing a lot of things. I don't have the bandwidth or the time to read stories that don't have any relevance or purpose. They're not inspiring me or educating me. They're confusing me. I just don't have the time for that, quite frankly. And so he said to me, "I just wanted to share with you X, Y, and Z." So he pretty much explained the purpose of his messages. Now, what he said is not my ministry because of my personal story and journey. What he shared with me, I could not connect. I could not relate. Now, there are certain topics I cannot relate on with domestic violence. I'm trying to relate as best as I can, and according to my clients, I'm relating with them week after week after week. My clients compliment me and praise me and compliment me and praise me. That is the glory of God. That is not me. I clearly have an anointing on my life, and I'm able to connect with clients of different ethnicities, religions, races, ages. That is the Lord. Because truth be told, I don't relate to domestic violence. I don't. But with the power of God and the Holy Spirit, I am relating. But I would say domestic violence outside of my job, I don't really relate with domestic violence. In my job, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, I'm able to connect. Outside of my job, domestic violence, grief, I don't connect with that. Maybe employment disputes, I don't connect with that. Racial discrimination, I don't connect with that. So there are certain topics that you will tell me about, and I'll listen. Uh huh, uh huh. But I may not connect with it because it's not something where I have a true understanding. We're human beings first. I'm human being first, Christian second. So you may tell me a terrible story, and I may listen and hear, but I may not connect with that. I'll listen and hear. Uh huh, uh huh. And that's all I can give you. So when he shared his particular story. It is not an area that I connect with, so I was distanced from it, detached because of my personal life. He then went on to ask me, "If actually, let me quote you exactly word for word what he said. I don't want to misquote, and what I'm going to share with you, it is not personal in nature, in the sense of I don't believe you'll be able to identify who this individual is. So when he messaged me, he asked me this question." And he said, "If a guy was out of control, would you restrain him or do a takedown and wrestle?" 
It's interesting, on Facebook, somebody placed a post and she mentioned how there are some men who come into her life and they have conversations with themselves. And I put a thumbs up and I laughed when I read it. And this is what she basically meant. This guy has messaged me. If a guy was out of control, would you restrain him or do a takedown and wrestle? I didn't respond and this is what he did. Hi. Next day. How are you? Next day. How are you? Two days later. What's up? Two hours later. What's up? Seven hours later. How are you? Now I'm going to read that again without next day, next day. Hi. How are you? How are you? What's up? What's up? How are you? And that's why I laugh because I've had men contact me and they're talking to themselves, just like this lady said, because he's having a conversation with himself. Hi, how are you? Then the next thing he says, what's up? I'm not talking to him. I'm responding with silence and you keep messaging me. Then he wrote to me again, would you restrain a guy or do a takedown and wrestle? I did not respond to him previously. He has a conversation with himself. And then he writes the same thing again. And I said, I will block you if you don't stop. And he stopped. And I did not block him. I'm not an emotional blocker. I have a friend. When I tell her some challenges I go through, you should block him. You should block her. I'm not an emotional blocker. If I block a person, there is a reason for doing that. And if I do block a person, because I'm not an emotional blocker, I may decide to block you on Monday, but I'll block you in three months' time. At the end of the day, for me personally, as somebody who believes in John 3.16 and Second Chances, I have no desire to block people left, right, and center, because for all I know, you may indeed become a blessing to me. I may indeed be able to help you. You may indeed be able to help me. I may indeed be able to help you. The point I'm trying to say is what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. And there are people in my world who have actually blessed me when I least expected it. We haven't spoken for a year because we're both busy. There have been no issues, but we haven't spoken. We say hi once every six months. Then when I send out a prayer request, they actually come out and help me. Whatever my need is, they help me in the natural realm. And so that's why I choose not to block people. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not not blocking so you can help me. That's not my point. The point is, for all I know, this person may have been a victim of abuse. And maybe they are testing me. I don't know the reasons or the motives. Regardless, a question like this is inappropriate. And I'm not going to respond. A question like that gives me cause for concern. There is no legitimate reason for you to ask me something like this. Are you testing me? Do you have an intention to perpetrate something against me, against my wishes? I'm not going to respond or engage. Have I communicated this message to anybody? No, there is no reason to do so. Have I called the police? No, there's no reason to do so. But if this person builds a friendship with me, happens to take one of my photographs, takes my photo, puts it on top of somebody's naked body and starts blackmailing me, what would I do? Each one of us would respond to that situation differently. Even this message here, if we are naive, we may engage, 
Like a friend said to me, there are times to speak and times not to. Not every question desires a response. And what they meant by that is when you communicate to a person and they respond back to you, some arguments are not worth having. Some conversations are not worth your time. It is not worth your time, energy, or efforts. And so I say that because when we hear a situation, we judge and say what we would do unless you're in that person's shoes you don't know. But what I will say is I encourage you to build relationships with the people around you. You have friends, family members who are going through things you don't even know about. It doesn't have to be as serious as their head being placed on a naked body. It does not have to be as serious as being blackmailed, being asked to send nude photographs. The point I'm trying to make is there are people who are crying out for help right in front of us. But because of our attitude, demeanor, our ignorance, our negativity, our judgmentalism, because of our conduct, because of the words we speak, they are not comfortable opening up to us. They are not comfortable revealing to us what they're dealing with or what they're struggling with. That is not how it should be. Realistically speaking, before a child sends a naked photograph because they're being blackmailed, they should feel comfortable and confident to tell their parents, their caregivers, their teachers, their friends what is going on. The reality is that doesn't happen. That child who just sent a semi-nude photograph ends up sending sexually degrading pictures of themselves because they can't speak to you. And that is sad. Let's forget about trafficking for a moment and bring it back to home. There are children being cyber bullied, being taken advantage of, their money being taken away from them. There are things going on right in front of us that are not even of a sexual nature, but we don't even know about it because of our attitude. There are friends who are struggling in relationships, but we don't even know because when we talk to them, we don't even ask them, is everything okay? Are you struggling with anything? Just because when you ask them, are you okay? And they say fine, doesn't mean fine is the truth of the reality. Why don't you ask them, is there anything bothering you? Often we're waiting for the right question to be asked so we can give them the right answer. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education so that we can have a better understanding of topics such as abuse to help us better safeguard the children in our world. For a better grasp of the topics being covered every week, please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. 
There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode.